Good morning, Bridge. How are we doing, guys? Come on, smile for me all together. I see you, North Carolina. I see you, Virginia. Come on, smile for me. Doesn't that feel better? It looks better to me anyway. So good to see you guys this morning. We're wrapping up a series we've been calling Feltboard Faith Stories from Our Childhood. And we've been talking about some of these stories that are really well known in Scripture, quite honestly, whether you have a church background or not because they've been picked up in so many different arenas and and places. Today I kind of wanted to wrap the series up with a New Testament story that may not be quite as familiar but still pretty familiar if you've been involved in church through the years. And I wanted, we've been in the Old Testament most of the time. I wanted to pull out one New Testament story that uh, that is just as powerful, as just as powerful uh, principles uh, for living that are available to us. I see uh, they're, they're giving me a prompt that we've got folks watching right now from Clayton, I see you Clayton, uh, Smithfield, Goldsboro, from Germany, all over the world people are watching and are part of our service today, so I want to welcome. Can we welcome the online audience this morning? <laughs> Amen. Pastor James Martin serves as our online campus pastor and is doing a wonderful job of connecting those folks and, and ministering to those folks and providing uh, this service for all of them, particularly during this COVID season, but quite honestly, uh, before and after. Last week, Harker's Island Campgrounds has a, a group, uh, they, they uh, send our service into the shelter on Sunday mornings, and last week there was a huge group of Filipinos that gathered and watched our service together, and they sent a picture and that kind of stuff. So it's just neat to see how God is using the Internet uh, as we minister, again, particularly during the COVID season, but even beyond, uh, God is using the Internet for his kingdom. Satan's used it long enough for his work. Amen. It's time for the people of God to use it effectively too. So let's get into it. How many have really good eyesight? How many 2020 or better do we have in the house? All right, you at home, I want to know. 2020 or better, you can put it in the comment box, okay? Uh, 2020 or better. Can I, can I just say, if that's who you are, don't ever take that for granted just don't ever take that for granted. I'll be honest with you. I took my, I was 20, 20, 2015 most of my life, and I actually took it for granted until one day I was at a friend's house, and he handed me a, a, a box, and he said, uh, Jim, can you read that ingredients list for me? And I picked it up, and I'm looking at it, and I'm doing this number, you know. I said, man, they're making this, this print smaller and smaller these days, aren't they? And he said, here, try these. And he handed me a pair of reading glasses, and I put them on. I kid you not, I put them on. I went, I can see. (laughs) I had no idea how bad my vision had gotten until that moment that I put those reading glasses on. uh, Because up until that point, I I just couldn't read that fine print. The problem, of course, is that when your vision is blurry, you can make mistakes you don't even know are mistakes because you have inaccurate information. I mean, that looked like a toothpaste tube. But if all I did was read the fine print without my glasses on, I wouldn't have known whether it was toothpaste or hemorrhoid cream. And even if I squeezed it and what came out, the consistency and color would have looked the same. I might well have brushed my teeth with the wrong stuff and not even known what I was doing until I went, okay, you got the picture? We're talking about physical sight. wonder what kind of mistakes we make because of our visual vision blurriness. I mean, what happens when we don't even see what we don't know to see, and yet we make life choices based on that incomplete or even inaccurate 
information. The results can be disastrous. Can I get an amen? It's, yeah, we've all kind of felt the pinch of that. For most Christians, um, you know, we all have spiritual blind spots. I mean, we see pretty good spiritually, but we have blind spots. Everybody, that's part of the human condition. There are areas that we just don't see very well. Uh, even people with 20-20 back in the physical realm, 20-20 vision have blind spots. You're driving in the car. There's a car at that spot in the next lane, and you don't see him. He's not in your rearview mirror. He's not in your outside mirror. You kind of glance over your shoulder. You don't see him, and you change lanes right in front of somebody, and you don't even know it until they're honking the horn at you, and you're jerking back because it's a blind spot. Well, we have them spiritually sometimes too. So uh, this morning what I want to do is just take a couple of minutes to pull that story. It's found in John chapter 9. If you've got your Bible, you want to flip there. You, you're, go to the Version Bible or better go to the Bridge NC app and find the notes there. All the scriptures and all the points that I'll be making are in the note. Uh, thing there. You can save it to your journal. Take your own notes if you want to. And again, you can email me at info at bridgechurch.cc and I'd be glad to send you uh, these very teaching notes uh, for your future reference and your own digging into it. But, but John chapter 9 is where I want to spend a little bit of time this morning. Let me set it up for you. Jesus and his disciples, he's been gathering his disciples and now he's traveling the countryside and he's teaching and he's doing some miracles. He's beginning to reveal uh, who he really is and opposition is beginning to rise against him as he makes that revelation. So let's get into it. John chapter 9 beginning with verse 1. As he went along, he saw a blind man from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in him. Pause for just a moment. There's been a whole lot of speculation about how COVID-19 coronavirus got started and who did what and what lab and what country and what professor and a whole lot of speculation. I wonder what it would be like if we as Christians took the perspective of that's a side issue. God is working his glory in this. And I don't know how yet, but he is, other than the way he's using the Internet to reach people for Christ. God's working his glory in this. Maybe that ought to be our focus. Let's pick it back up in verse 6. Having said this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with his saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Shalom. So the man went and washed and came home seeing, say it with me, and came home seeing, one more time, and came home seeing. I hope you aren't or never will be physically blind, but can I tell you that it would break my heart if you listened to this message today and say, well, that was a good sermon, and you went home spiritually blind? I want you to go home seeing. So let's get real introspective today as we consider this. Take just a few moments. We're going to look at some of the major players in, this, in the story. We're going to find out what caused their blind spots. And then in the process, we're going to think about ourselves. And Lord, do I have that blind spot? That's the question we want to ask ourselves. Do I have that blind spot? And then we'll lean into the, to the cures very quickly as we come to a close this morning. So is that worth a few minutes of our time? Let's see if we can understand what some of these blind spots are, what causes them, and then maybe uh, take the cure together. Let's start with common causes of spiritual blindness. The first cause actually shows up in Jesus' own disciples. 
Cause number one is the disciples were blinded by their commonly held beliefs. Their commonly held beliefs. So you got the story, right? Jesus' disciples are out on foot traveling around the countryside, teaching and doing miracles, and they run across this guy who's been blind from birth, and the disciples want to know why. What happened here? Who sinned, they said. Did, did he sin to cause this, or was it his parents that cause this, understand that the culture at that time believed that any handicap that any person has was always caused by sin. That's Sin caused that handicap, and if it was a congenital defect, then it had to be the parents that sinned, and so there was always sin at the heart of this kind of handicap. The scariest part of the question to me is, is they gave up everything to follow Jesus. Lean in a minute, I want you to hear this. They gave up everything to follow Jesus. They put their lives on the line to follow Jesus, and they loved him, but they still had ideas they got from the world, and they didn't even realize it. They're walking around with cultural teachings that didn't line up with truth, and they didn't even know it, which forces me to stop and ask myself the question, are there, is there some junk from this culture that I've adopted? Because I wasn't paying enough attention, just kind of eased into it without even realizing it. The reality is, guys, every one of us have beliefs about God. Every one of us have beliefs about how God works and who he is. And we got our beliefs from a wide variety of sources. We got our beliefs from, from, uh, from Sunday school and from preachers, but we also got them from Hollywood and the street and friends. We got all kinds, we all have a theology, a, a, an understanding of who God is. And, and quite frankly, because we build that over a lifetime, it's often hard to remember where we got that idea from. Which is why the Apostle John wrote in 1 John 4 1, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit, for they're false prophets in the world. There are people who are intentionally telling lies in clever kinds of ways to get you to believe what they're teaching. So you have to stay on your guard all the time. Of course, that never happens to us, right? No, no well, it never happens to us. There are no commonly held beliefs that are not in Scripture that we've embraced, right? It's quiet in here. What? Can we, you want to take a little pop test? Let's, let's have a little fun, okay? Uh, just yay or nay. I'm going to read a phrase. You tell me if it's in the Bible or not, okay? If it's in the Bible, say Bible, Right? If it's not in the Bible, say no, not in the Bible. Got it? Bible, not in the Bible. Here we go. Cleanliness is next to godliness. Not in the Bible. It's an old Hebrew saying. Moderation in all things. It's not in the Bible. Aristotle, the Greek philosopher, actually said it. To, to thine own self be true. That sounds King James. Come on. Shakespeare said that. God helps those who help themselves. Not in the Bible, Ben Franklin said that. God works in mysterious ways. Bible, not Bible. It's not in the Bible. It's, it's from a hymn by William Coper, the great hymn writer. Here's one. The lion shall lay down with the lamb. Bible, not Bible. Not in the Bible. Isaiah eleven six 6 says, The wolf will live with the lamb, the leopard will lay down with the goat. So, you know, the essence of it, but not the words. 
How about this one? Pride comes before a fall. That's Bible, isn't it? No, it's not. <laughs> Proverbs 16, 8. Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Now, most of those are no big deal. Most of those are, you know, not a big deal. But some ideas we pick up along the way have a huge impact on how we view ourselves, how we view people, how we view the church, how we view God. That's why Proverbs 4.23 says, be careful what you think because your thoughts run your life. And that's why uh, behind the scenes over these last few months, I've put a team together from our staff and from all of our locations, and we've been working on developing an adult discipleship process for a church. And so we, we've developed what we're calling the, the growth track, and there's going to be track one, track two, track three that will increase in intensity as you go and increase in depth as you go through it. Uh, we're going to be re, uh, recruiting leaders for that. Some of you need to be involved with that. I know so many of you will. We've talked to a few of you already to help us, but we're going to help our people to, to study the Word of God in a practical kind of way, in, a, in an organized kind of way, so that they can begin to evaluate what do I believe and not believe, why do I believe it, is do I have a biblical worldview and how do I sort out the blind spots like the disciples tend to have? You know why that's so important? You know why that's so important? Because when you find yourself in a moment of crisis and you have to make a decision, you don't have time to go research that in the Bible. You, you don't even have time to call the church and say, is one of the pastors available? I could ask one of these pastors for, for some insights into this thing. You've got to know the word of God. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit will bring to your remembrance those things that you've learned, but you have to remember them before he will help you remember them. Got it? So a huge emphasis for 2021 and beyond is we're going to go, we're going to keep getting bigger because so many people desperately need Jesus, but we're going to go deeper too into the Word of God. The disciples were so confident that they knew the truth that they just asked Jesus, so did this man sin or did his parents sin? Never occurred to them to challenge that idea, but Jesus answered, verse 3, neither this man nor his parents sinned. This happens so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. In other words, they didn't even know what they didn't know. Bob and Jan Smotherman, our Wycliffe translators, tell the story. They spent five years of their lives with the Makuna tribe in the Colombian jungle, preaching the gospel, sharing their lives, and translating the gospel of John. They learned the language uh, and and put the language into written form and, uh, and then translated the gospel of John for them. And so finally, at the end of this five-year period of, of investing in them, introducing them to Jesus, they gathered the tribe for a reading and the tribe listened intently. They said, when they got to John chapter 9, verse 3, neither this man nor his parents sinned. This happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life the elder of the village stood up and turned to the villagers and said, we have to stop killing our babies. Because their culture up to that point said, if a child's born with a birth defect, you kill it. They didn't know what they didn't know until they discovered the truth in God's word. They then realized that they had been blinded by commonly held 
poppy leaves. You don't have to go to the rainforest to find that. The second common cause of, of blind spots is shows up in the neighbors, the, the people, that's the villagers, the people that lived around this man who was blind from birth, and they were blinded by their doubts. So our blind man receives his sight. He starts telling everybody that will listen, man, you can imagine how excited he is. He's been blind since birth, and now he can suddenly see. How do you think his neighbors reacted? Look at verse 8 and 9. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging, seen him begging, asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I'm the man. He's, yeah, they're going, is that, is that the guy? That's not, is that, that's not the guy, is it? That can't be the guy. Is that the guy? And he said, yeah, I'm the guy. I'm the one that you've been seeing all this time. You guys know me for reals. You know who I am. But hear me, they were so blinded by their doubts and their skepticism, they couldn't even allow themselves to see what Jesus had done. The sad reality is that I watch people do that all the time. People do the same thing with God. They say, there's no way God cares about me the way you say he cares about me. I just don't believe that. There's no way he understands my pain. There's no way. I don't care what you say about he was tempted at all points like we are. There's no way he understands what I'm going through. There's no way he can help me overcome my addiction, my fears, my hurts, my grief. There's no way. The doubts that they have make them blind to the blessings that are available to them in Christ the result is that relief and help and hope are always just out of reach. And guess who gets the blame for that? The God that they're pushing away with their doubts. Hear me, guys, you have to believe it can be before it can be. Jesus said, according to your faith, will it be done to you? The disciples had blind spots because of their commonly held beliefs that they never challenged. The neighbors had blind spots because of their own doubts. The next group in our story are the religious leaders of the day, and they were blinded by their beliefs, by their religious systems, by their structures and traditions and rituals. Every now and then I'll meet somebody, and, and, uh, uh, and they'll, say, they'll say, so what do you do for a living? I say, well, I'm a pastor. Oh, you don't look like a pastor. I said, well, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I did a funeral one time, and I ran into a guy that I had met several times, a realtor, and, and he saw me in a suit and tie, and he said, now you look like a preacher. I said, oh, man, I've had the flu. I, you know, I'll, I'll, give me a few minutes. I'll be fine. But I love it when people tell me, uh, oh, you're a religious person. And I go, mm, no, I don't think so. They don't know what to do with that because they don't understand what many of you understand is that religion is a, is a system of ideas, of, of rituals, of traditions, of practices, but Christianity is a relationship with the God of the universe through his son, Jesus Christ. Profound difference between a religious system and a relationship with God through Christ. You, you, you might think that's sad because a relationship is so much better, and I would agree with you, but, but let's be honest, guys. It's easier to check some boxes and say, I did that, I did that, I didn't do that, I didn't do that, than it is to maintain a relationship. It's empowering to think, you got it all right. Ha, 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 look at me, I get it all right. That's what happened to the Pharisees. They were proud 
of the fact that they got it all right. They kept the rules. They even expanded the rules to greater depth so that they could get them right, so they could brag to people about they were getting it right. The problem is that at the end of the day, religion leaves you empty. And at the end, it's never enough. I was with a man some time ago who was coming down to the end of his life, and he had lived one of those legalistic religious lives all of his life and was proud of that fact that he didn't do this and he did that and, and he, got, he got his list right. And as I was chatting with him about the doctors had said, you've only got a small amount of time left and I'm chatting with him. He looked at me in a moment of honesty and he said, I'm terrified, Pastor. I said, what in the world, man? He said, I don't know if I did enough. I don't know if I got enough right. I don't know what's going to happen. And I was able to introduce him for the first time in his vulnerable moment. He opened his heart, and I introduced him to grace. These religious guys in our story, have they're so intent on their religious systems, they've got the healed guy cornered now, and they're grilling him. They're going after him. Verse 26, John 9. Then they ask him, what did he do to you? How did did he open your eyes? I love the healed guy's response. I'm not sure. I guess you can decide for yourself. I'm not sure if it's sincere or sarcastic or if it's sarcastically sincere, but I still love his response either way. He answered, verse 27, I have told you already and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? I can almost see him smiling and going, do you want to become his disciples too? Oh, guys, okay. You want me to tell you some more? I'll tell you some more. Maybe, maybe you can join us in understanding what's going on here. But verse 34 sadly makes it clear what they really wanted. Then they hurled insults at him and threw him out. They've got a healed guy blind from birth standing right in front of them, and they're debating about whether he was actually healed. And if he was, was he healed by a sinner because it happened on the Sabbath? You're not supposed to do that kind of stuff on the Sabbath. They're so intent on maintaining their religious traditions and systems and dogmas, they completely forgot that their highest goal in life was to pray that Messiah would show up. And now he's shown up in their midst, and they can't even... Accept it. But again, before we point fingers, we can get wrapped up in our pet doctrines too. I heard two yeses and a whole lot of silence. You're a Calvinist? You're an Armenian? You're a Wesleyan? Do you speak in tongues or did that end in the first century? Do, do you sing contemporary music or hymns? Do you sing out of a hymn book or, or stuff on the screen? What, what, how, do you dress up for church and show your best to God, or do you dress casually in church? And we get so wrapped around the axle about stuff that doesn't eternally matter. If Jesus showed up and did a miracle right in the middle of us, sometimes we wouldn't even notice that he came by that day. I love the story from Sherlock Holmes. He and Dr. Watson went on a camping trip, it's told, and, and uh, after dinner they went to sleep, and a f- few hours later, Holmes woke up. When he did, he woke Watson up, and he said, Watson, look up and tell me what you see. Watson said, well, I see millions and millions of stars. 
Holmes said, well, what does that tell you? Watson said, well, astronomically, it tells me there are millions of galaxies beyond ours. Astrologically, it tells me that Saturn is in Leo. Hierologically, I deduce that the time is about half past three. Theologically, it tells me that God is immense and all-powerful. Meteorologically, it tells me that day will likely be a beautiful day. Why? What does it tell you, Holmes? And Holmes says, it tells me somebody stole our tent. I'm not suggesting for a moment that you not get your doctrine right. I'm not suggesting for a moment that you not study the word, learn the word, define your beliefs, be willing to stand for truth. But don't ever get so blinded by your own doctrines, your own religious systems that you lose sight. That at the end of the day, this is about having a relationship with the God of the universe through his son, Jesus Christ. I was blessed when I went to seminary to study under Dr. Gordon Fee, some of you may know some of Dr. Fee's work, but he used to drill it into us as students. He would say, I am not a theologian. This is, this is a man, uh, his late 80s now, but uh, in his prime, he read and, and wrote and spoke New Testament Greek and Old Testament Hebrew like you and I do English. I mean, he was just a, a brilliant scholar of the Word of God. Wrote most of the New International Commentary series, New Testament portions of it. Wrote how to read the Bible for all it's worth. I mean, just a, an amazing scholar of the Word of God. But he used to say, I am not a theologian. I am a student of the Bible. I, I have theology. But if I read something in the Bible that challenges my theology then my theology is what flexes because at the end of the day, my theology is not the authoritative source. The Word of God is. And if I have to stretch my thinking because of something I read in the book, then I'm going to keep studying the book. And if I have to change my theology, that's what changes. That's what I'm saying. Have your doctrines. Have your beliefs. Have your systems by all means, but don't make them sacred because at the end of the day, it is the Word of God that will not pass uh, you know, not one dot or tittle will ever pass. The disciples were blinded by their commonly held beliefs of their culture. The neighbors were blinded by their own doubts. The religious leaders of the day were blinded by their religious systems and beliefs. Finally, the parents are the fourth players in our story, and they were blinded by their fears. Pick up our story again, verse 18, 19 this time. The Jews sent for the man's parents. Is this your son, they asked? Is this the man you say was born blind? How is it now that he can see? Now the parents are on the hot seat, right? And so they've, they're kind of working their way through this whole system, trying to pick it apart, and now they've got the parents on the hot seat. How are they going to answer? Verse 20. Well, we know he's our son, the parents answered, and we know that he was born blind. But how can he see now? Or, or who opened his eyes? We don't know. Ask him. He's, he's of age. He'll speak for himself. In other words, they passed the buck. They dodged the question about their own son's healing. You know, as parents, they were ecstatic that their son was healed. But they dodged the question, why in the world would they do that? Verse 22 tells us. 
His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews. For already the Jews had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Christ would be put out of the synagogue. You see what's going on now? They're afraid if they take a stand and they say, yes, this is my son and the man Jesus is the one who healed him, they're going to be kicked out of the synagogue. Now, let's understand the context of the moment before you judge them too harshly. Nowadays, you get kicked out of church, you just go down the street and join another one, you know. But in those days... If you were kicked out of the synagogue, then nobody still in the synagogue would ever do business with you again. Your entire livelihood's at stake now. And so for fear of losing out, they dodged the question, even though I'm sure in their hearts they were thrilled about what Jesus did for their son. They were just afraid to speak up. Don't look at them, but you know anybody that's ever been there? Excited about Jesus, excited about what Jesus is doing in your life, excited about the changes that have come since you've committed your life to Christ, but so afraid of being rejected by your friends, you're not going to tell anybody about your new faith? Well, what happens to your relationship with Christ eventually if that's the place you live? Can I tell you now that it is the most miserable place on the planet trying to live in both worlds? It doesn't work. I had a, a friend, he's, a, he's still a good friend, uh, lives in another state who came to Christ. Joe was probably 40, in his early 40s, maybe mid-40s when he came to Christ. I had the privilege of praying with him to receive Jesus. Joe was a big guy. He's probably 6'4", 320, construction manager, just a burly you know, snap you like a twig if he doesn't like you kind of guy. Loved him to death, still do. But he came to Christ and was excited about his faith. He made an appointment one day and came in to see me, and he sat across my desk, and I'm thinking, what in the world's going on with Joe? And he sat in, in my office, and he began to cry, and he said, Pastor, I need, to, I need you to tell me what's wrong with me. And I said, what in the world, Joe? He said, I went to visit family in another state, and while I was there, I ran into some old friends, and they asked me, What's going on in your life, dude? He said, and everything in me wanted me to, I wanted to tell them everything that Jesus had done in my life, but I didn't know how they were going to act or how they were going to react. And so I, I dodged the question and I just told them about my job and my kids. And then I walked away. He said, I got to tell you, you got to help me because I am the most miserable human being on the planet right now. And I helped him to understand that's probably a journey that all of us go on. We come to that place where our relationship with Jesus is more important to us than whether everybody in our lives accepts us or not. And I'm not suggesting you go get preachy, start hitting people over the head with two-ton Bibles. I'm just saying don't be afraid to tell people about Jesus. Yes, some of them will act like these people in this story, but some of them will say, I want to know what you know. I want to experience what you experience. I want to feel what you're clearly feeling. I want to know what it means to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. There's power in the gospel message. That's why Paul said to the church at Rome, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. Don't be hesitant to say, this is who I was and then I met Jesus and this is who I'm becoming now. We've got to move on. We've got to close. But whatever your blind spots are, whether it's because you've been confused by 
some cultural beliefs that simply aren't true. Maybe it's because you've been able to un, uh, unable to see what God's doing because of your own doubts. Maybe it's your traditions that are holding you back, doctrinal beliefs that are blocking God's blessing, traditions and rituals. Maybe it's fear. Whatever it is, the solution is the same. There's three parts to it. I'm going to call this to a close. Number one, you've got to open your heart to Jesus. That, that's where it begins. You open your heart to Jesus. You don't have to understand everything there is to understand about this, even uh, any more than you have to understand how an internal combustion engine works to walk out of this building, go put the key in the ignition and drive away. You just know it's true. You can learn about internal combustion engines later. Right now, I just need to ride home. Yeah, I'm going to go get my car. You don't have to understand it, but you do have to open your heart to him. And that's ultimately what happened. Verse 35, Jesus heard that they'd cast the healed man out. And when he found him, he went looking for him. He said to him, do you believe in the Son of God? He, he answered and said, well, who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said, you've both seen him and it's he who is talking to you. It's me. I, I am the Son of God. See, Jesus didn't just want him to see physically. He wanted him to see spiritually. He wanted him to understand that he was interacting with the Messiah, the Son of the living God. He wants you to understand that. No matter where you are or what you're dealing with right now, he wants you to understand that. That's why Revelation 3.20 says, Here I am, I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking. Anyone who hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. I will eat with you and you with me. We will share fellowship together. But you've got to open your heart to hear his voice, to hear that knock. Don't reject it when it comes. Don't reject it for any of the reasons we've talked about or any others. Don't reject it when it comes. He loves you. The second thing you've got to do if you want to get rid of these blind spots is you've got to open your mind to learn from Jesus. Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you're really my disciples. Then, after you've held to my teaching and become my disciple, then you will know the truth, and it is the truth that will set you free. It's in that journey of learning the truth. Jesus said a lot in his teaching. He said, you've heard it said, but I say. You've heard many times, but here's the truth. I mean, it's replacing the cultural lives with truth. You've got to open your mind to say, okay, if Jesus said it, I believe it. I accept it. If it's in the word of God, I accept it. And then finally, you've got to keep your focus on Jesus. So you open your heart to him. You open your mind to learn from him and then keep your focus on him. I love verse 25 of our story. When the healed man said, the one thing I know, I was blind, and now I see. You got an argument, I got an experience. You got a theology, I got a relationship with Jesus. You got an idea about how things go, I've been there, done that, and seen the change in my life. So have you met him? I mean, I didn't ask you if you believe him or believe in him or, or if you're a Christian or if you go to church. I said, have you met him? Have you let him into your life? 
Can you sing from your heart, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me? I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Can you sing that from the heart? Whether you can carry a tune or not, it's irrelevant. That's my prayer for you. Can we pray that prayer together now? Jesus, you see us. And you know who we are for reals. You know who we are. You know the areas where we are spiritually blind. And even when our spiritual vision works pretty well, you know the blind spots that we carry that we don't even see. So I pray in the quietness of this moment, Lord, whether we're right here in this room together or we're watching from a living room couch or in a car somewhere, wherever, Lord, as, as we ponder these thoughts, would you make yourself real to us? We're opening the door that you're knocking at and asking you to come in. I want a relationship with you, Jesus. I want it to be rich and deep and life-defining and dynamic and mind-changing, mind-blowing. I want a relationship with you, Jesus. I thank you that when I do, you will teach me and establish me on a firm foundation and get rid of my blind spots in the process. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, you hear the prayers across the land. All I ask that you make yourself real to us in this moment and in the days ahead. Help us to see those blind spots and break free from them in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so very much for being in the house of the Lord or being with us online today. I do pray, I do pray that the relationship with Jesus will begin to define how you see life, not just physically, but, but spiritually. I said at the outset, I, it would break my heart to know you walked away from this teaching spiritually blinded by anything, anything. See him.